Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Viral Music Hub podcast once again. Uh, your host, your host here, Lawrence O'Brien, and today I have one of my uh, favorite people from uh, the TikTok music community, uh, and how helpful he is to other people on the TikTok music community. Uh, welcome, uh, please, uh, Colin Folly. How are you? I'm good, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, uh, it's great to have you, man. Uh, and I know we were just talking about this before I started recording, but I, I really do just love what you do for the TikTok music community. Um, I think you're one of the best at being a good teacher of of basic, you know, guitar technique and even obviously intermediate and advanced techniques after that. But I think you do a great job of being kind and at the same time being a good teacher of that stuff. I, I appreciate you saying that. Um, my it's funny. My teaching career, if you will, got started back in 2019. So I mean, I'm out on the east coast of Canada. It's not a huge market, so it's a little bit tricky to try and make a full-time living at music. But back in 2018, I decided to leave my, my previous job and, and try and make it doing music full-time. And had, you know, basically 2019 on the road before COVID shut everything down. So, you know, at first the timing looked really bad. But one of the things that I had picked up as a, as a bit of a hustle for some money in that first year was uh, I signed up and applied to become the guitar instructor just for four hours a week at a local uh, nonprofit that uh, here in my hometown. And I got the job and I told them I hadn't done much in the way of, of teaching guitar other than, you know, to just some friends and colleagues, but uh, that I was interested and kind of went through my how I'd approach teaching. And the thing was that uh, my students ranged in, in age from like eight to 16 years old. So I immediately had to think about everything that I did on the guitar and how I made music and and figure out almost literally how to explain it to you like you're five. So I have to explain it to you like you're eight. And when when I looked back at like I've been playing guitar for 30 years, um, when I came out of high school, I actually pondered studying music at university and was looking at a couple of schools here in Canada to actually go study jazz. So at that point in my life, I was pretty heavy into to music theory and that sort of thing. A lot of that knowledge has, has gone into cold storage and there are better folks out there for teaching the advanced stuff. But what I realized is that after taking some time away and then coming back and starting to make music, um, you know, in some bands and then starting to write my own songs and you know, I'm starting to see not a great deal of financial success at at this point, but, you know, I'm starting to get recognized as, as a decent songwriter in, in the circles around here. And uh, there are some opportunities that are opening up for me to work with some some bigger names in Canadian country music as a writer. So, you know, I kind of looked at all the stuff I used to kind of be a bit of a music snob back in the 90s because it was all about jazz. I was sick of like synth pop and hair metal. So for me, it was all about jazz from the 50s and grunge music. And and I grew up, um, my mother's side of the family, very rural place. Like we literally lived in a farmhouse surrounded by farmland. And, you know, you, you threw hay around and, and uh, did work in the barn and stuff at, uh, at the adjacent farm for, you know, a few bucks to go buy penny candy. And that's kind of how, uh, how we operated in the summers. So I grew up around country music, like the classics. Um, you know, Willie and Johnny Cash and Merle and Hank Williams and, and all those folks, Loretta Lynn, et cetera, et cetera. So that that was part of my musical heritage. And then I had, you know, this jazz and grunge influence from the 90s. And, you know, after letting that marinate for 
a while. And then when I started writing my own songs, I realized that most of what I was doing in writing music was using the same dozen or so chords my grandmother taught me when I was 13. And it's like, I think that as a community, we make it, we, we kind of want to gatekeep. We don't want people to understand just how easy it is to, to figure out how to play some of these songs. And uh, I think that, the, I, I honestly think that it's an art form. It's a high art form to create something that's um, very accessible, you know, uh, popular, catchy, that sort of thing, using basic, basic music theory. And I, I think that a lot of folks get discouraged from playing and don't realize that it isn't about the chords you know. Like you can learn everything uh, theory-wise that you'll need to know in a week. And it's all how, how you use that to speak and how you use that to tell stories. And, you know, it's basically like you've learned the alphabet, but then you can go on to become a great writer. But we all learn the alphabet pretty early on. And learning that alphabet is, is made to seem very complicated, but it's not. And people can start to learn to tell their own stories musically um, as long as they're encouraged, you know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No. And I mean, calling yourself a, a decent songwriter is is uh, humble to say the least. Uh, well, thank you. Yeah. You're uh, you're you're amazing songwriter. Um, we're gonna go delve into that a little later when I talk about your album East of Nowhere. Um, amazing album. Please stream it. Um, everywhere. Uh, it's amazing. Awesome. Awesome. Awesome stuff. I mean, holy cow. Good. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was just listening to like the, for like the third time today. I, I was I was playing Pokemon and listening to your <laughs> what, a com- a, what, a, what a combination. Is an, right? like, I love that combination. That's <laughs> that's the first time I've heard that one. So I'll never forget it. <laughs> but, but yeah, man, I, I just I like the way you approach approach these things. And you're 100 percent right. Um, I think, you know, there's a lot of tech, incredibly technically sound like guitarists or even just musicians out there that I feel like have just no soul to their music Mm. there's no um there's no like real creativity it's just i know how to do all these things and i'm going to show you i know how to do all these things Mm -hmm. and that that's something that's always bothered me because one it's a little bit masturbatory two Mm -hmm. it's it's like you're not making anything with any heart in it you're it's it's you're completely now uh, away from what music really is and it's to tell mm-hmm. like you said is to tell stories it's not it's not to show oh i can do this oh i can do that it's i i think that you know music is 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 like any art form or like many art forms anyway where there is the the final product the art but there's also a, a technical aspect of craftsmanship and some folks don't really need the training in this te- technical aspect they just are able to see colors and figure figure out how things work but i find that what we're doing in with music is just we're going into too much detail and and zooming in with a magnifying glass and analyzing all the brush strokes and we're not you know stepping back and, and taking a look at the big picture there are some people that play with incredible technical skill that also have all the feel and soul you know if you listen to oh, sorry um sorry yeah oh no i agree with you um, you know, if you listen to like a Paul, someone like Paul Gilbert play the blues, mm-hmm. that guy's not hampered by technical ability. Like he can play whatever he wants, but he's able to play with incredible feel and soul. I know that that somebody gets taught who gets talked about a lot is a Joe Bonamassa because he can just fly. But if you've ever been to one of his shows, hearing him play a ballad live, 
it it takes you right through the heart and so the he, he can play with incredible feel um so we wind up into this into this weird debate and i i think that we lose sight of the fact that you know what do they have to say so maybe they fumble over their words a little bit and uh, they didn't use the most eloquent word out of the thesaurus but what was the story you know did they get their point across and I yeah. think that that's I think that that's important, and that's not what we debate about in you know the comments section of guitar videos and on Reddit and Twitter and whatnot. Yeah, know? yeah. Don't forget ultimate guitar comments. Uh, that's true. <laughs> I, you know, listen, I've been I've been at this internet thing for a long time, so I just know there's places that it's best for me to not go. Yeah. And certain comment section sections, those are those places. So I'm sure it's there. I just haven't witness to it because i know better <laughs> oh yeah those, those ultimate guitar tab uh, comments man oh <laughs> evil evil place <laughs> yep uh, no doubt, there's, no a, doubt. Whole, there's a lot of anger in those yep. <laughs> in those comment sections um another guy that kind of comes to mind that when you when you talk about that that combination it's kind of like jeff rosenstock he's another guy mm -hmm. i feel like kind of encapsulates that being able to play technically well and then just also just tells an amazing story at yeah, I, for for me it was eye opening working on my album with Ariel Posen. So he he produced it and played the uh, the electric guitars on it. And when you when you isolate what he did, you come to realize that everything that he did is something that I can technically sit sit here and figure out how to play pretty quickly. But it's that he thought to play that in the first place is is what's most moving about it. And, you know, I've seen him break into a full-on bebop jam. Like, Ariel can shred as fast as whatever with the best of them, but that's not really his thing. Right. And um, so, yeah, j just seeing that it's it's not about how fast you can play that pentatonic scale. I don't even like getting into uh, teaching, like, those flashy – here's a flashy lick you can play to impress your friends where you're repeating a, a pentatonic pattern, right? It's like, mm -hmm. you know, learn uh, – learn how to how to pick up musical ideas in your head and then figure yeah. out with the knowledge you have how to put it on the guitar fretboard yourself then you're starting to develop your own vocabulary you're naturally going to reuse words that you've heard but you're not just making trying to create something out of a bunch of just licks that you've learned it's it's how you apply that knowledge that's so important and that's uh, most people don't don't ever pass that step because they get so caught up in in playing playing the flashy licks it's like yeah, yeah you know that's great that's cool but you don't need that stuff yeah right you know, I, i'm so grateful to my guitar teacher when i was you know i was younger in high school like he taught me jazz chords and i was like whoa this is so cool i'm like mm -hmm. what is, what is this like this is incredible like these mm -hmm. minor seventh chords and these like sixth chords and i'm like whoa this is wild i never knew i could make this sound out of my guitar you know and yeah uh, i and i like playing flashy stuff every once in a while it's fun it's and it's more sure. fun. It's more for my entertainment, and if anything, absolutely, you know. But like, man, I love like the stuff like that, like a jazz, like the jazzy chords, and like the, I'm so grateful. Like my guitar teacher took the time to show me that stuff, which isn't always the most like flashy thing in the world. But man, is it, it is it way to to tell some cool cool stories well, in your music? You know, it's all different, uh, you know, different colors and textures that you can add to your work, and. You know, if you if you study guitar as like a creator, then, you know, I think what it's useful to do is, you know, take away the things that really resonate with you. You know, you might learn five things in a day, but it's only one that you're going back to because that's 
that's something that really has your interest. And if you focus on the stuff that inspires you right away and kind of to a certain extent, discard the, the other noise, you can, you can move ahead in developing your own voice a lot faster. And so your teacher taught you some stuff that just set off lights in your head going, that's, I want to be able to say that I want to be able to bring that up on command as part of what I'm doing. And, you know, so being exposed to a bunch of different things and then taking um, little bits from all of them, the things that really resonate with you and developing that it's, it makes it easier than you think, because you're always, um, all your technical developments going towards music that's in your own head or or something you're trying to get out. And I find that that's an inspiring way to learn and push yourself forward. doesn't work for everybody, but if you can get in that zone. And so what I try and do is help other people find that zone for themselves, even with the most basic of, of information on the instrument. Right. Yeah. It's like, sometimes you don't, it's not always about learning everything. It's really about perfecting some, something that like you really enjoy and are really good at. Absolutely. Like, you know, a lot of my shows, it's just me and a guitar or maybe me and a, and a second guitarist singing some harmonies, but you know, my bread and butter is being able to put on a good show with, you know, just me singing and a guitar. So doing the fundamentals really, really well. Right. That's 90% of it right there. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, for me, it's like, you know, there's certain things I love to do on guitar and I love it. And then there's certain other things I see other people do it. I appreciate the hell out of it, but I could never do it at all. Like, and I could never enjoy doing it because it is so difficult for me. Like, like uh, finger picking for me, that is like my yep. biggest hundred percent, my biggest weakness. I'll throw it out there. It mm-hmm. is like my absolute kryptonite. I can't do it. I'm horrible at it. I've always been horrible at it. I tried learning so many times how to do it. And I'm just like, you know what? Not my thing. This is, this is not for me. Every, some other people are so good at it. I'm like, I'm, I'm good. I'm like, I'm just going to leave it to the people that, that are good at it. And I'm not going to worry about it. I'm going to focus on what I enjoy. And exactly. And, and it's a strength of mine because that was a thing that rang those bells in, in my head, like jazz chords did to you. Like I, finger picking is something that I was really drawn to. And now when it comes to teaching it, I have to sort of reverse engineer because I'm not even thinking about what I'm doing anymore. You know, what string I'm playing with what finger, these are all just sounds that are that are available. I know they're under my hands. And I know which trigger to pull to make which sound pop out. And that's, that's what it gets to it becomes a it's just feel it's music coming out through oh, your hands yeah and, yeah. It, and there's a certain person i follow and i'm which who i'm gonna have on this show at some point soon his name is uh anders i don't know if you know of him son of anders on uh on tiktok uh, i'm not sure i'm not sure he, uh it, he makes some sounds come out of an acoustic that i am just absolutely mm. just mesmerized by and i am like yep. so, eternally jealous of like what he's able to do with because it's not only that he's playing and finger picking and doing that he's also doing percussion on his yeah on his own acoustic while doing that and it's like i'm just like blown away i'm just like how like that is just unbelievable that the way people can just create on even just like an acoustic guitar is just Mm -hmm. blows, blows my mind sometimes yeah absolutely like folks that are able to play like that um are unbelievable but if you look at um look at someone like a Tommy Emmanuel. And if you ever listen to his interviews and origin stories, it came down to him trying to figure out how to do stuff on a guitar. I think listening to recordings, not realizing that there were more than one 
guitar in the recording or you know he was trying to figure out how to put these parts together and he discovered a lot of that on his own and he doesn't explain it even in particularly technical uh, theory terms but you know he's playing some extremely advanced stuff but it was all through that self-exploration yeah uh, it's it's a uh... It's, it's pretty crazy how uh, certain people learn, you know, learn differently than others, mm. too. And I think in the guitar world, it's you, you get these people, you know, you get people that learn so differently. Like there, there's mm. people that just to just pick it up and just kind of play by feel. And then there's yep. people that, you know, they they actually just like to look at sheet or just tab, you know, tablature all the time. Mm-hmm. And then there's yeah, and then there's just you get other people that are just like, I'm going to play this and just listen to it and just like kind of adjust it from there. And uh yeah, and you know, there's there's no one right way to to learn or to appreciate or create music, and you know, a lot of folks will try and and uh, they I don't know why they feel threatened when somebody likes music or plays music in a way that's different from them, but they there are some folks that embrace that and and that causes like a fight or flight response in others, and and I, I don't really understand why. <laughs> Yeah, it's like you know you take two different roads to get to the same destination as you know my uh my manager used to always tell me you know it's like at work and it's like you know it doesn't always have to be the same road to get no there. no absolutely <clears throat> not it doesn't have to be the same destination no no right that too that's, <laughs> that's, that's part of i think that's part of the debate is that some folks have an assumption of, of where everyone should go and and try and uh, impose that and it's like nah we can all have different destinations, different roads, different roads to the same destination, same road to different destinations. That's the beauty of it. Oh, yeah, for sure. And, um, I'll, you know, I did want to talk about, like, your songwriting process, Colin. Sure, like, man. How, like, how, like, how do you approach songwriting? I know it's kind of a broad stroke question, but mm-hmm. I, you, break it, you could break it down for me however you want. Like, how, how do you approach like, writing a song? Or just, like, do, like how, how do you approach the ideas that that formulate your songs so i mean there's for me the main components are not just a chord progression but some kind of a guitar piece with a bit of feel or vibe to it Mm. and um usually it starts with when two lines two meaningful lines of lyrics that i think are particularly interesting kind of go together and create something that's where it starts lyrically um and so sometimes I'll just sit here and record myself playing guitar for hours and I'll go back and out of that hour, there might wind up being five minutes of something that, that amounts to anything afterwards, yeah. but it, you know, that's, that's part of the process. Oh yeah. And when something happens, so I'll, I'll basically take a bunch of musical ideas. I put them in a folder uh, as I go through life. It, you know, if I think up a line or I overhear something that I can paraphrase in a clever way, I'll either write it down in a text file. I'll put it on my phone and every now and then if i'm looking for ideas i'll go through those lists of of guitar ideas and lyric ideas and it it just helps to build a stockpile and sometimes songs are basically they come out of that process where it's like all right i'm going to write a song today let's go but i don't have a a a new idea to work on so let's go through what i have you know stashed away in the drawers and and come up with something and that's probably about how half the songs happen and oftentimes what will happen is while I'm playing a guitar piece, I'll start hearing or humming something or I'll just play around in my head. And uh, this is something that Jeff Tweedy talks about, like making a mumble track while you're while you're playing the guitar. 
So I'll just sit there and whine and, you know, <laughs> do wop and whatever, some notes out over it. Yeah, and then boy. sometimes, sometimes a word will emerge from that. And it would be a really good word to sing right there to, to kind of fit the vibe of what I'm going for. And then another word. Well, now let's look in a rhyming dictionary to see how we're going to deal with these words. And then something pops out and it's like, oh, hey, man, now I have a story in my head. Now I'm good. Like as soon as as soon as I have a story, it can be two lines. As long as I know, you know, somewhere that it's going to go, then I'm then I'm off to the races. And it sometimes happens where those two lines or the story will just enter into my head and I can pick up the guitar and have a finished song in 20 minutes. That's about how five percent of my songs happen or less you know usually it's the more intentional sitting down and and not necessarily being really inspired in the moment but creating that for yourself and then occasionally it's just it hits you and there's a song but a lot of that happens because you've gone through that that repetitive process and sometimes it's lyrics first sometimes it's it's chords and, and melody first but that's generally how they come together sometimes those steps just happen in a different order yeah yeah it's it's sometimes like for me like i i know it's like when i'm right i I don't always do a lot of original stuff because i sometimes i'm just energy wise i'm just not you know i'm I'm not there for it but Mm -hmm. um um when i for me i sometimes i write the lyrics first sometimes i don't write the lyrics first it's Mm -hmm. like you know it's like not there's not one way to approach it i think i think sometimes you just you get the words and then you don't have the music and then sometimes you have the music you just don't have the words yet (laughs) yeah And, and it's uh and then it's kind of like figuring out from there. It's just like, you know, just kind of sing something. Yeah. Like you said, voice notes, you know, kind of, just kind of yep. have that melody that you have an idea about, not quite sure what the word over it yet, but you yep. have an idea of like what you're singing over, what you're playing and, and yep. everything. And, and I think my, like the thing with like songwriting too, is like, I think what you made is a point you just made is very important is that like, you don't really throw anything out. Like you just no, keep of, all your ideas. Cause yeah. You, like, and, and I, this is something I've had to learn because um, personally I'm a, like my worst critic. I am mm-hmm. awful at like, I listen to something and I just say, I hate this thing. I need mm-hmm. to th- delete it. I don't want to see it ever again. And, yep. and for years I did that. And I was like realizing I'm like, wow, I'm like really my own worst enemy doing mm-hmm. this because i'm like i'm not keeping anything i'm just yep. like i just i'm like way too hard on myself and i'm just like you know maybe this could be good after a couple years you know even mm-hmm. or just like go back to it but sometimes i just i get too sucked up in the like oh i don't like it right now i gotta get rid of it and just start yeah over. no like w- when you run into if something's happening and you kind of run into an obstacle don't throw it away just put it aside or even if you're working on something and you that you like and you get stuck on at, at a particular part, just put in a placeholder and you know move the roadblock out of the way. You're gonna come back and clean it up later, but just keep moving forward. And, yeah. and a lot of people don't give themselves permission to just put the song across the finish line because yes. do it, just get it done. And you can go back and edit it later. And what you'll find is that, you know, as long as you you don't trip yourself up. It's it's about getting out of your own way. Because I've had the exact same experience where I'd write something, it was crap, it'd go in the bin. And then later on, it would be, you know, I wish I remembered that. There was something there. Or, and the other thing, and we didn't talk about this, but I learned it the hard way. If you have an idea that you're like, this is so good, I'm not going to forget it. Record it or write it down because you are going to forget it and you're going to hate yourself. Yeah. 
It happens all the time. Oh yeah. <laughs> that's the worst. I had done that a couple of times and I'm like, Oh, that's something. Yep. That's something. And then I get home from work and I'm like, Oh, sh-. like, <laughs> yeah, I'll, don't, where, where I'll remember go? that later. <laughs> I'll remember that, that later. Where'd it go? <laughs> where'd it go? <laughs> Sorry, pal. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah. So how about like, so, so do you mix your own uh stuff colin like do you like or do you have that done by somebody that you you trust so from for my full albums i've had somebody else do that that i trust um so and actually uh, for the last album it was uh somebody that ariel had put me in touch with and um he had mixed a couple of records for one of my favorite uh, canadian singer songwriters guy by the name of Del Barber, who's a good friend. He's actually uh, the reason I met Ariel in the first place. Um, but so when we were talking about what team we, we wanted to work on this record, I mean, Ariel's the producer and he like he took on a big, big role. And he's, you know, much more than a producer. He, he did session guitar, he provided vocals, you know, he helped with with some arranging stuff and just absolutely amazing giving of his time and, and taught me a lot in the process. But he had recommended a couple of folks that I listened to their work. And, you know, he absolutely nailed putting this team together from the musicians that played on it to uh, he wound up doing a lot of the recording engineering himself along with uh, the drummer. And then we had a third party mix it. And then on my first record, I had it recorded and mixed by um, a couple of friends of mine who were starting up an indie studio and uh, they did a great job on it. And we had it mastered by a third party. So for the big projects where I'm investing a lot of time and money and going to try and make a not a commercial push, because I I know where I'm at and I'm not trying to get played on top 40 radio, (laughs) but but uh, campus and community radio. Uh, independent radio across Canada has been very supportive. Like my album hit number one on the indie radio charts. Whoa! In the in the roots and uh, in the roots category, like number one across the country, and that's like music nerds that are choosing to play it. There's no payola or any of that kind of stuff. They can play literally whatever they want, and so I was I was really pumped about that. Um, so we wanted to make sure that the production was polished. So I had folks doing that, but that's not necessary in order to put your music out there and i'm going to be releasing a bunch more music smaller projects in 2022 some of it's going to be recorded and mixed by professionals and some of it's going to be recorded and mixed by me and you know it'll it'll be the difference will be clear between them but you know i just i want to be able to in a position to put more music out into the world more frequently and i have different collaborations that i'm working on so you know i'm i'm excited Nice. And it's gonna it's gonna be a learn another year of learning for me, and <laughs> probably dropping some some things that absolutely bomb because there's also yeah. a lot of trial and error involved in all of this, and not getting but just trying to not get frustrated. You bounce off a wall, man. Just take a turn and keep going. Don't yeah. uh, don't keep trying to break down doors that aren't open. Just there's there's another door that's open if you know you go look for it. Do you have any other like advice for uh, the young musicians that are trying to like learn how to like mix their own stuff or like trying to make like an album professionally and, and, and everything. Cause it, I, I, for me, that is, it's just such an in-depth process. And I, I know I just, it overwhelms me just even thinking about learning how to do all that stuff and figuring that out. So part of it is that it's, it's accessible. Um, depending on the kind of music that you are trying to make, there might be, um, you know, tutorials available where you can invest the time in, in doing a, making a lot of this yourself. Um, 
you know, especially with electronic music and that sort of thing. And when it comes to actually recording acoustic instruments, you know, there's a little bit more to it than that. But the technology that you can put in your house for a couple of hundred bucks is, you know, it, it, it makes it accessible. It's kind of worth taking the risk. And it doesn't have to sound like it was made in a Nashville studio for people to hear it and, uh, you know, appreciate it. And so start, just don't be afraid to put it out there. Uh, if you have somebody that uh, who's a friend who can do you a favor and just have a listen or give you some tips, you know, working with uh, a mentor in that regard is uh, can be very helpful. And I mean, I've had a couple of folks that have been willing to help me out when I've had questions. And, you know, if, if there's something that you can do to add, bring value to a collaboration, then that, that's kind of the way you get help and, you know, network either locally or online. Like there's, you know, TikTok is, there's a ton of, of music producers on there that are willing to give time and experience uh, to help folks out much like I'm trying, trying to do with, with the guitar music production is something that I'll do uh, for the right kind of genre of music, but it's not something that I'm going to be putting tips on the internet, how to be a music producer. Cause you know, I don't have, I don't have that experience. So there are folks that are willing to help you out that are good at the thing that you're trying to learn. And the internet makes it uh, possible to connect with those people and don't listen to, uh, don't listen to folks that are telling you, you can't do it this way. You can't do it that way. You know, you should use auto tune. You shouldn't use auto tune any of that stuff. Like don't, don't worry about the, the chirpings of people you aren't asking for advice. (laughs) Yeah. That's the story of the internet right there. (laughs) Right. Like there's a bigger life lesson in there, but you know, I, I'm in that generation that grew up without the internet and, but it, it kind of came along early enough in life. It's like, we, we put too much, um, we, we put too much stock in the opinions of strangers with, you know, your mom lover 6969 is their username. Like, why do you give a shit what that person thinks? But we do. Like, they say, like, you suck, and you're like, fuck. Yeah. I yep. wish they hadn't said that. Yeah. You, you know, I don't feel like I have anything to prove, but sometimes they'll still hit me at the right moment with a, you know, 100,000 people can like a video and one guy's on there. You suck, dude. Like, learn to tune your guitar. Oh, oh. It's like, yeah, I was at a tune in that video. God, I thought I had that, yeah. right? Yeah, I had a guy. I had a guy do that to me too. I, same, same thing too. Same, same comment. I'm like, okay. yep, okay. Like, that w- had nothing to do with like the point of the video. Thank like you for that. that. Like, but like, thanks, bro. Appreciate you. Like, thanks. Like, like yeah, just try, <laughs> try and stay positive. Um, you know when. And you can get yourself a cheap USB mic and it doesn't matter if you're working in garage band and stuff, learning how to create is a big part of it. And then you'll, you'll figure out how to make it sound better along the way. Uh, yeah. Google I, and YouTube and TikTok are your friend in that regard. Yeah. I was very fortunate. My, uh, my cousin actually hooked me up this uh, Christmas with the um, iRig Pro Duo uh, and um, a Audio Technica, a new Audio Technica mic that mm-hmm. plugs right into the iRig. Nice. Um, which is what I'm using right now to record this, and my yep. what I use to record my last podcast as well. It's and it has just already made things unbelievable uh, in terms of how much my audio quality is uh, um, jumped. In yeah. terms, yeah. just uh, doing that, you know. And at some point too, I'm uh, looking into getting an amp that has a line out function, so I can actually mm-hmm. plug my guitar into the iRig because yep. unfortunately my uh, Marshall uh, has only. Um, 
does not have the line out function at this point. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm looking to get an amp that I can, I can actually do that with. And, you know, I know it's obvious you can always plug into Amplitube or something like that as well. Yep. You know, if you're a, a guitarist that wants to record a little better and, you know, wants your sound quality a little better, you could always just plug into the iRig without your amp and then just use the Amplitube amp effects that come with the package or, you know, you have to buy some of them, I guess, but um but yeah, there's a lot of ways you could do it. Um, you just gotta, you just gotta look. A lot of, and that's another piece of advice that people will get. Like nothing sounds as good as a tube amp. You know what? That's true when you're in the room with the tube amp. I like, I'm not going to debate that. Like I've never played anything that feels as good as a tube amp. But when you're recording it, you plugging into direct into amplitude and using one of their presets is going to sound a lot better than your shitty phone recording. And I'm not saying your phone recording with an iRig, but of a tube amp, like you have to have good equipment to get in the room to really capture that character, the tube amp, and you're, you're throwing a 57 in front of it. And that's going to be better than a model in amplitude. It's probably not unless you really know what you're doing. So don't, don't shy away from the inexpensive and free yeah. modeling and instruments and stuff that you can use yeah guys um, pedals are expensive <laughs> get they, it, add, they add up <laughs> get get a multi-effects pedal yeah. you know if you want to go and and invest in in uh, you know higher quality pedals figure out which what's the core of your sound first before you start dropping 200 bucks a pedal or right. what or four or one or whatever like you can get uh you can get all sorts of pedals and i i've been owing the world a pedal board tour for a while but it's like yeah. honestly there's like th- two or three pedals that are pretty much always on and then i add a couple of things here and there sometimes but it's pretty much just static yeah all right well you know what i want to talk about now is i want to talk about east of nowhere i want to talk yeah, about this, i want to talk about this album in the content sure. and it, we kind of talked about the production side of it, everything mm. let's talk about the the meat of it the songs um yeah you have a favorite track on this because I know I do, but uh, do you have a personal favorite that you you did? They change; it changes from time to time. Um, but the two that are most personal for me are the tracks "To Mend" and "Your Parade." It's oh. a waltz early on in the album and a waltz at the end of the album, yeah. and each each of those songs was inspired by one of my children. Oh, so that's, that's nice. They're they're not really in the song; it's just a story that kind of came out of of you know our, our experiences with them and uh, but those are really meaningful songs but when it comes to how everything came together sonically and just like inside outs probably the oh. one that i would say like if i was going to show a track to somebody to say here's what it's all about i'd probably pick that one yeah because we threw everything at that we had pedal steel and hammond and guitars and everything it was it's the everything including the kitchen sink at that track and and uh, i love how it turned out oh it, inside out's a great track it's definitely one of my favorites on the whole album uh it's it's a it's like one you could picture it's like gonna be on like the radio it's like a it's just a great hmm. radio track in my opinion and it's just uh it resonates for sure yeah and it's and it's personal like i uh you know i had made some huge changes in my life over the last five or so years in order to to try and exist in a way that I could be happy and also make enough of a living to, uh, to continue to, you know, support my family. And my wife has a great job too. So, I mean, I'm, I'm part of a team here. And so, you know, she's been really supportive of me doing this, but I've had to burn down parts of who I am and start over. Mm -hmm. Um, 
over that period of time in order to really be able to to put my my proper focus into this so a lot of that's captured in the track inside out my personal favorite on the album is uh bridge to nowhere um all right and there's a reason for that and i think it's because this song um captures something very specific and i think you captured it perfectly the song basically i mean i don't want to try to i'm now like i feel weird explaining your own song to other people i love it i prefer this i want to hear what you think of it because once because whatever you think is what the song is to you and what my opinion on it doesn't really matter anymore uh, like for me bridge to nowhere it's it's a song that really describes the um that that growing up in your hometown feeling but the people that unfortunately kind of get left behind in that same place and they, they don't know how to get out. They don't know how to escape it. They're the, this hence bridge to nowhere. Cause there's really nowhere for them to go. They feel like there's nowhere for people to go uh, their selves to go. They're stuck in that one place. That's what they only know. And it's what they kind of only want to know. Um, yeah. Like, it, you know, I'll, I'll, you're, you've nailed it. Like, that's it's not any one story that inspired that song it was a series um and some of the lyrics are right out of conversations i overheard so i mean i i've got to tour uh small towns like crazy and you know i i grew up in a suburb of a blue collar city but i have family from the small towns you know and the, the the agriculture and mining towns and forestry those are the big industries here so when the when the mill and the mine or whatever goes out of business then the town kind of falls into despair and not that there weren't problems before but like the problems tend to take over and and drugs of despair move in and and so you know there's a lot of lot to unpack there but at the same time there are some folks that are just happy to be living there um, they don't know any different and, and they don't care. They just, they're, they're, they're existing. Yeah. It, it's, uh, and it just reminds me so much of, you know, where I grew, I grew up, you know, in small, in small suburbs of Connecticut, you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, I, uh, you know, and I just, it just ma- reminds me so much of some of the kids I went to high school with some yep. of the, you know, it just, and they're still just going to the same places that I remember when I yep. was in high school and I'm just like, man, like these guys really are just stuck there. It's like they're in perpetual like motion in just that one place. And that song just like, it's just like, wow. It reminded me so much of that, that feeling of just seeing people that you just know don't go anywhere else. And they don't really, they don't really have the, they hang out with the same people they've hanged out, hung out with since, Mm -hmm. you know, they've been in school. I'm not like there's anything wrong with that, but it's like, I don't know. For me, you spread your horizons a little bit, but yeah. um, and uh, it's like, yeah, man. It was just, and then there's a, a certain lyric in this song that that definitely just like it sat with me. Um, and I I might be paraphrasing here. I'm horrible. My lyric memory is terrible sometimes. Um, and it's like I think it was something like uh, they keep this the the uh, the the same picture in the picture frame that yeah you, that, you that don't they, even change the picture that came the, with the frame the frame i yeah. i i think that's such a brilliant songwriting piece of songwriting colin i mean that's like thank you man thank you i i think that's like saying what you mean without saying exactly what you mean and it's just yeah you what i've tried to achieve and sometimes i do it better than other times is i want to put enough detail in the song that you grab onto it 
but I don't want it to be such a specific, it seems like a specific detail because it resonates with you, but it's not. Like I want to just, I just want to lay out a, a, a very rough sketch, but I'll maybe point you to small little details. I want you to paint this picture. I don't yeah. like, I, I just want to, I want it to become like a choose your own adventure and how you interpret the song. I, you know, I want there to be room for, for, uh, for your own interpretation. Yeah. So I, I'm, you, I'm really, do I you feel, this. do you feel that's a, an issue with some of the younger songwriters that are out there right now? I know that's kind of a loaded question, uh, but mm -hmm. I know it's something I've kind of noticed that I feel like there is a lot of specific, you know specificity i don't know how to this what i'm saying but, but you know specific like subject matter and I, sometimes i feel like you can kind of get beaten over the head with that and you're not allowed to paint your own picture like like you you're trying to do well i think that you know for younger songwriters i it's write what you know or if you don't know then try and write with empathy and that that's like a john prine guiding principle that um you know, that, that sticks with me, but it's okay. Like you're not, if you're 19 years old and you're going through a breakup, you might not, not be writing a song for me, you know, who's, uh, yeah. I've got gray in my beard and whatnot, but there's a market for it. As long as you're authentic, like, look at what Phoebe Bridgers has accomplished. Mm, yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Don't, let's let's park commercial success aside for a minute because that that's an industry that's a very well gate kept industry that you're not likely going to have access to okay and that's like the superstar level of whatever the world is a big place and if you make honest art there are people that are going to like it and you have to hustle to find them and you might have to find your fans one at a time but you see a lot of songwriters are trying to write something that's trendy that they don't understand. Oh. And they're trying to say like, I'm going to do this over and over till my song blows up on TikTok. That person that went viral, they could have been, they could have had corporate money behind them. You don't know what's going on behind the scenes. Don't be afraid to earn your fans one or two at a time because the model before we had the internet and you know, even the model pre pandemic, would be to make your music, put it out there, get as, you know, as much of a following going as possible and then pound the pavement and tour. And I think that people have this idea of touring that, you know, there's a bus and there's stages and there's people to load your gear. And again, that's a, that's a part of the industry that don't assume you're ever going to have access to, you know, you drive your own car, you carry your own gear, you, you sleep on someone's couch yeah. and you, you play to some empty rooms. And if you find one or two or three new people in a town that now dig what you do, then the next time you come to that town, there's going to be six or 10 or 20. Yeah. They're talking to people. Uh, that I'm, was, I'm a big pro wrestling. I'm a big pro wrestling fan too. And it's the same sort of deal. You know, it's like you, you guys, you have to do your own, put the own work in, you know, and you have to do the drives, the long drives to 20 hour drives sometimes and, and stuff that, like that, you know, but now you have the ability to like, don't, don't be shitty about it or don't make people try and pity yeah. you to listen to your music. You know, oh, make yeah. something that's honest, you know, make some content that ha that brings people value so that they become invested in you and yeah. then they're going to listen. The conversion rate isn't good yeah. for every hundred people or maybe a thousand people that like comment or watch one of your videos. 
one of them is going to go check out your music on Spotify. Yeah. But it doesn't cost you anything to to put in the effort to try and reach right. people. Right. And I always try and, to be that person, you know, to check it out. You know, I want to be that one person. I always try to be because I think it's, you know, it hmm. means it just means a lot, even one person. You know, and I saw every musician I come across on here, you know, I, I try to I try my best to listen to anything that they put out and, you know, add it yeah, to my playlist. I, I, I try and keep up. Like sometimes I get behind in my requests because as you build a following, then oh, obviously the, the messages and the requests to to take a listen to this. And I try to I try and get to a lot of it, but I, I don't I can't get to all of it anymore, which is a good problem to have. But it still kind of bums me out at the same time um but yeah to the younger songwriters like don't try and write what you think people want to hear you know just try and figure out how to write in your own voice and your voice is going to mature over time and you know allow yourself to write shitty songs it's okay like what you think are shitty like because somebody's gonna like it i have songs off this first ep that i recorded in garage band in my basement and uh, you know, I don't play any of them live anymore. I'm like, ah, I kind of look back at it and cringe. But one of my biggest like royalties was somebody latching on to what I thought was kind of an immature song that I'd written or what, you know, immature from a songwriting perspective. And they just played the hell out of it in like England. Wow. And they, so somebody out there is going to is going to dig that. It may be only one person, but it, it doesn't matter. Like you're going to get better at at the songwriting process. As long as you don't um, don't let your get, yourself get swayed too much by the opinions of others, but don't make don't make music because you want to get famous. Don't make music to try and get attention, yeah. because that's a really really hard way to get positive attention. Yeah, I think there's if you got something to say, then then do it. Yeah, but, there's unfortunately a lot of that going on. I think right now. Um, yeah, well, I, I mean, you look if you model what you do after what, uh, like I think that pop music right now is actually in a really good place Mm -hmm. where a lot of the pop that's that's now out on the radio that's some legit songwriting that's happening right now and when you look at pop country radio most of the songwriting is complete bullshit god especially (laughs) especially the stuff coming out from the male artists oh um some some of the women are breaking through with some good tunes but but that's that's being done to sell bud light ad space in between songs on the radio that's commerce and you know don't try and model yourself after that because unless you already have connections like they're not looking at a 20 year old to write like that's that's corporate songwriting so don't the, yeah, try and emulate that some you're, of those it's songs, gonna sound lame you're going nowhere yeah some of those songs it literally sounds like they're going down a checklist of things yeah. they, they want to say and they're just like oh got that one oh okay got that one too well, well they literally do um like focus groups and stuff like they study data on what people are responding to because they're trying to maximize the appeal and the reach of those songs so that's that's craft okay so that is that is an art that's like a yeah and don't even so don't try and look at it for the art of it that being said i'm i am actively trying to write those types of songs to pitch to other artists okay Mm. i don't have any problem with it at all but as a as an artist if you are trying to put yourself out there as a singer songwriter it had best be something that is real for you or that you can at least sell as real for you because if you're trying to fake it then it's really obvious and it's and it's just not going to go go very far right 
and you, I think you have limited shelf life, you know, and then yeah. it's like once you make one song like that and then you just make another song like that. And then after that, people are like, well, OK, do I do I really need anything else from this this guy or, you know, no, they, I mean, and, and and a big part of what happens in the in that larger industry is that, you know, um, labels and whatnot, they get people invested in characters. So, you know, the, the big industry, country music, you know, even pop and whatnot, these are characters and some of them are authentic characters uh, across the music industries, but a lot of them are, you know, it's like professional wrestling and I don't want to break anyone, burst anyone's bubble, but the people are incredible athletes, right? But some of these outcomes and stuff, it's, you know, it's predetermined. And so I, you don't take anything away from what these human beings are capable of, but you have to understand that it's an entertainment industry yeah. and it is solely about the bottom line at the end of the day. Yeah. And a lot of the money that, uh, that feeds that industry comes from, um, from people buying ad space. And so you have to tread, tread water very carefully or, or walk the line very carefully to try and appeal to people as much as possible and not piss off your advertisers. So that's, I think that that feeds a lot of, of what happens in commercial radio, which is why it's best to not really pay attention to that because there are a lot of people who's, who, that you've never heard of that are making art that is true to them, that they believe in, and they're making a living. They're just not on the cover of Rolling Stone. And there's, there's this entire huge, and I'm, I talk with my hands, which isn't great for an audio podcast, but yeah, that's, I there's a huge middle ground where you can make, make a living as an artist, as a musician without, you know, hitting the, the billboard top 200. And I think that, you know, focus on that because you, it's, it's totally attainable if you do the work right. So do you ever encounter like a lot of creative block or burnout at all? And how do you, how do you face it? So I, it happens, um, especially if, if you've done something big, gone on a tour and gotten home or, you know, I've written a couple of songs. So, sometimes the battery's just drained. And, you know, I, this is my, my full-time thing now. So I'm able to take some days off. It's not like paid time off because if I'm not earning money, I'm not earning money. But, you know, I will just put it aside. I'll, I'll turn off the social media because there's, there's also sort of that social media, the game you have to play. It is part of it. Um, you can, you can find people to do it for you. You know, it costs money, but I find that that drains me uh, a little bit more than like creating. Uh, but it, when I, whatever the case may be, whenever I get drained, whether it's through performing or writing or through doing too much social media and talking too much on camera, like when my when my levels are low, I can't create and oh, it's I, best to to just stop, recognize that it's happening. Give yourself a couple of days to maybe it's just lay on the couch and watch. a. a I like watching British mystery series and Nordic noir police dramas on hmm. Netflix or read a book or something like feed your brain something that isn't complete garbage, but that isn't too, too challenging either just to kind of, you know, re recharge, relax, you know, you're not, uh, you're not completely just wasting your time staring at the wall, but you know, you're kind of enjoying yourself and don't, and don't put pressure on yourself at f especially at first to create when you're not feeling creative, you're going to learn techniques 
if you take this seriously, where you don't need to be inspired to to create something. But until you get there, and even when you get there, you know, just recognize when you're when you're burned out, when you're not going to be able to produce work of quality, and take care of yourself. Like just take take some time. Like we do get so addicted to the dopamine hit from people liking our video or commenting and, and like artist and content creator are kind of for me and I know it's not the case for everyone so I'm sort of imposing my perspective on folks but to me they're kind of inextricably linked but they're not two parts of me that necessarily function well at the same time so if I'm into writing mode I'm not into making TikTok guitar videos so yeah. so you'll see me kind of frig off for a couple of weeks that's probably because I'm doing something else. I'm writing and, and whatnot. Then I come back with a vengeance because it's like, all right, I can't think of any songs to write. I now have this other lane that I can push to, to kind of reach people, but also it, it recharges me a little bit too, you know? So making, making beginner tips on TikTok is, is one of my ways to actually, when I, when I hit creative block to, to take a step back. And I'm also watching those Nordic noirs and British crime dramas between making TikToks, but okay. You know, but I've found a thing that is related to my art that helps me bring value to people that isn't just me going on and saying, I'm going to sing along or sit here and cry in my car until you listen to my song. Right. <laughs> so, so you just it's good to have different things. It, you know, if you're going to do it full time, uh, there's a producer on here, uh, SIDS, S-E-I-D-S. Anyway, she's she talks about this a lot and it's 100 percent true where you need to have different um sources of income a bunch of different sources of income if you're also going to make this your career and so having different sources that i can tap into based on where my head's at is that that's been so valuable for me like now if i have a week where it's like i don't know what to do i need to earn some money i can make a TikTok that says if anyone's looking for a private lesson or a checkup this week my calendar's open let's talk and that works um, sometimes I'll have, uh, I'll be doing like paid co-writing sessions where people will pay me to, to look at the song and, you know, put my, my creative or editor brain on it and try and, you know, help it forward. And, and just those sorts of things that, uh, that are going on other than just making, you know, guitar videos and releasing albums. Oh, that's so awesome. there's a lot, there's a lot more that happens behind the scenes. Oh, I, I did not know you did all that too. That's, that's a mm. that's all. That's so sick. Um, say so, hey, people, if you need a. You need a hand here, uh, Collins, your guy. <laughs> and, I've, and I've started to do some session guitar work as well. So if um, I don't have a Nashville studio here at home, but I can get some pretty good recordings of my instruments. So one of the hardest parts about getting guitar recorded for your music project is having to deal with a guitarist. So if you want somebody that'll just take that away and do it for you, let me know. <laughs> yeah, so that's that's part of, that's something else I'm going to be announcing on on TikTok here soon is that I'm doing the song like paid songwriting sessions. It you obviously have to think that I'm a good songwriter because that's a very subjective thing. Like don't make do your homework before you get me to do that because I'm not writing pop hits. I've I've never I've I've charted, but not on commercial charts, right? It's so not it's, on, not it's, on purpose. <laughs> right. Like so if you're looking to get picked up by a major label, I'm not your guy much in the same way that I'm not your guy to learn how to shred or sweet pick and stuff like I but I'll be I'm always honest about what my what my strengths are what I can and can't do or at least I try to be honest and so 
you know, when I'm working professionally, I'm not going to step into something that I can't do and make people happy with. So that that's really great, man. I, I love that you do that. Um, so you, so what other stuff, and you mentioned, you know, what you watch, you know, what, is there anything else that you like to do um, away from music that kind of recharges you a little bit or, or any other hobbies love- that you have that, that you like a lot? <laughs> Play the guitar. That's fair. <laughs> True, man. It's just you live, you live and die. Uh, it's like, I get. No, that. I like. I like to walk, and you know, I like to go for walks. I like to. I have a family. I like to spend time with them. We go and you know, go for a hike in the woods, and or we'll play a game, like whatever. I I tend to spend time with with um, people in my life. I'm not a real extroverted person, but I'm I do have either. you know that that small that small circle of really meaningful people, and and so. I'm spending time with them or I'm reading or I'm listening to music. Yeah. Sometimes all of those things at the same time, but, <laughs> but I play the guitar too. Like I'll get home from a gig story of my at, life. <laughs> all at the I'll same time. From, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I'll get home from a gig and you know, I'll have, okay, the gig's over. So now I can play guitar just for me for a couple hours. So it's like my hobby and my, Anyway, sometimes there's an unhealthy overlap between like now it's all just blended together. Like there's no real it's real tough to delineate between my personal life and my hobbies and my career. Like it's just it's all this this big thing. But outside of being able to manage my my mental health and just keep myself charged, which I fail at sometimes like that, like I'm not saying that I've got it all figured out like I've and and every everything that you can, you know, phrase as, as wisdom or advice is probably something that I've fucked up in the past. And that's why I now know this to be true. I've burned myself before. Yeah. Um, so, you know, so there is, there are times when it's unhealthy, the amount that the hobby and, and my, my passion for the guitar and the music and the songwriting and all that, it, it can, it can overwhelm me sometimes. Oh, no, nah, I, I have no doubt. I mean, I that's why I attend. I, I may, maybe my problem is I'm interested in too many other things. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it, it, yeah. From because I like I like guitar and, and I love music. Don't get me wrong. But I also love gaming. I love sports. Mm-hmm. I love, you know, watching different stuff that, you know, I, I love all this different stuff. And then sometimes for yeah. me, that's sometimes it takes away from my ability to sit down and just inverse myself in music all 24 seven, you know, so it's my, I have a kind of a different way of, of going about it, I guess. Yeah. And I mean, I, I, I was into gaming as well. Um, I mean, it's probably been like almost 12 years now, but like back in the early days of that stuff on YouTube, I, I did, uh, I even made content. Uh, it started when, when my wife was pregnant and she wasn't with our second and wasn't getting out of bed. So I wasn't leaving the house. I would sit here and like play video games and post it on the internet. And that did all right for a while. <laughs> and then when Minecraft came along and everyone was like, I'm going to start making Minecraft videos. I was like, ah, that's not for me. I'm going to go make music. So at, at where I was at, on YouTube at that time, had I started making those Minecraft videos, <laughs> we'd be having this conversation from my, my mansion, my, and- <laughs> my mountain. <laughs> my mountain ranch resort like god damn it (laughs) (laughs) but i didn't want to do it and it's like i kind of i think about that sometimes but at the same time i i'm happy with where i am in in you know my my basement 
we're not uh, we're not on a mountaintop or next to the ocean but it's my basement uh, you know it's funny it amazes me how many kids want to watch other kids play video games now you know it's like uh, maybe i'm old school you know I'm, i mean i'm 28 i'm not like i'm saying i'm like some back in my day you know hmm. these, we did this you know but but like man it's just it it just weird to me it's like man i just want to play i yeah. i want to play i don't want to watch other people play you know i want to mm-hmm. play myself so yeah i never i never got it I, for me i never understood it and that's why i, I actually don't think i do it myself the streaming because i'm like why would anybody want to watch me play something <laughs> well the and the other thing is that a lot of the folks that are watching those videos are like kids that are looking up to somebody who they perceive as good at the game sometimes it's yeah. literally just entertainment content with video gaming as the background but one of the one of the things that you have to remember is if you're in an industry where clicks matter if you can appeal to kids it's very powerful because they will watch the same content over and over again whereas adults won't no right? <laughs> like you've got three seconds they're not coming back like oh, i but gotta go kids, back to work <laughs> but but the uh, kids will watch the same video a hundred times and so you know some i've had some young folks connect with my music and it's part of why i'm kind of sharing the the uh, the how-to and demystifying how i made this music because they want to sit down and put the video on youtube and play along on their guitars and i'm like i want i want to enable you to do that it is not as hard as you think i want i want you to be able to do that so you know part of it's like low-key evil marketing scheme to teach a bunch of kids to play guitar and convince them <laughs> in some sort of cult-like way that they should play along to my songs because it's it's totally attainable and then that'll drive my spotify numbers up uh, this is there you go end game you're teaching them that evil rock and roll music end game <laughs> profit make up for all those minecraft dollars that i never had <laughs> so what other smaller artists uh out there have you have you like really latched onto that you could say like wow this guy is really good you should really support this guy or i know there's probably a lot of them and i feel bad for making you have to narrow it down to just a few but so i did i'm gonna do that for you but i want to talk about something for a second this is like a philosophical discussion that i've had with with many folks and that is when you look at people think that there's like a a sort of some parallels between music and sports where if you go to the biggest venue and pay the higher ticket price you are seeing the best talent Mm. that is the sports has a way of making that true 90 plus who knows how much percent of the time if there's some kid around here who's an absolute hockey whiz if he deserves to be in the nhl He's going to wind up in the NHL if he wants to go like that's or she, yeah. she well, there's no women in the NHL. So, but uh, you know what I'm saying? Like athletes, whether male or female, they're going to wind up if they choose, they're going to wind up at the highest level of competition. Yeah. Music's not like that. And, you know, the, there is more around like marketability and commerce than, than a lot of folks care to believe. So you could wind up sitting in a cafe with six other people being entertained by one of the greatest songwriters in Canadian history, it, it, you know, to be determined down the line, they're not playing the stadium. You know what I mean? Right. And so the size of the stage and the size of the crowd and the ticket price doesn't equate to talent. 
which is why like the the people that i mentioned as smaller artists the talent isn't small they're they're among the best in the world like i i will they hang out they can hang out with anything musically but people don't know who they are yeah. i mean he's he's becoming more and more well known now but uh, if you look at ariel himself who produced my record i was a was a fan of his and uh you know about the like became his fan about the same time we became friends you know what i mean and he's he's getting recognition in the guitar community is you know one of the best in the world but he's still not a household name um i got some 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 folks that i have been uh, have worked with here in here in my home province so there's a, a francophone country singer that i've had the, the pleasure of writing with by the name of emily laundry and she is and if you need me to share links and stuff after i, I oh, will yeah. but her album it's in mostly in french but it's one of the my favorite albums that i discovered last year and uh in some of my videos you'll see a collaborator uh she'll be like playing guitar singing harmonies and that's that's my friend blair nicole and she mm. is an outstanding songwriter and musician and um you know she she only has a bit of music out right now it's an ep under her uh, her maiden name Blair Weber and it's a soundtrack she was commissioned to put together so these aren't even her personal songs it's incredible and she's playing most of the instruments on it herself wow and she can hang with with anyone as a songwriter and um trying to think of others so the, the one that I named before Del Barber if you want a storyteller songwriter type person Del has this amazing mix of of charm and and wit and but and honesty and you know he's the reason that i met ariel in the first place uh he was we were playing a small festival together and uh, ariel was here as his side man and we just hung out afterwards like that's that's kind of the power of, of supporting music in these smaller venues um there's a, a a group here in canada i'm actually not even sure how active they are a lot of a lot of these artists over the pandemic, I don't know how things have shaken out because I haven't kept tabs on everyone. But, uh, you know, I've got to share the stage with uh, this band called The Lifers that um, absolutely blew me away. We, we've got a local uh, folk, so art folk kind of collective called the Olympic Symphonium. And they are making some of the best, most beautiful music you've ever heard. Um, and I'm going to forget a bunch of friends that are that are just... <laughs> crazy yeah. talented people um just let me think for another second oh there's so many there's so many uh one of one of one of the one of the best bands around here that uh, people outside my town don't know about is a band called kill chicago and they're one of my favorite bands anywhere and it's like this blues rock gritty band but they also have like pedal steel on stuff, but not done in like a country way. It's, it's, mm. they've got their own sound in a way that uh, I think is really special. And every single one of them have day jobs, you know, one's like a music teacher. And so wow. th there's incredible music being made by folks that aren't, aren't at it full time. And I've, I've missed hundreds, dozens, whatever of, of my friends that are making just top shelf music. But these are, these are folks that your listeners probably have not heard about that, uh, I think that they would really enjoy. That's that's awesome, man. I love that. Kill Chicago sounds amazing. It sounds like right up my alley, actually. So I think you'd I think you'd really, really like that. 
Yeah, uh, that, that's my type of thing, for sure. Love the blues, man. Uh, my dad grew me up on the blues. Uh, I just, uh, I've always loved it uh, since I was a kid. And that's what I knew. <laughs> and uh, I, so if I if I were you, if you're going to have a listen to Kill Chicago, because you, you, now you have to tell me what you think. Um, I'd go right back to their, they only have two albums out. Yeah. The first one's called The Gray and the second one's called The Fix. Start right at the beginning, run, run those two. Yeah. I think you'll, uh, you'll hear a bit. I think you're going to want to hear more. I, I think so. I probably will. That's, that's great. Um, so I want to ask you about this. And so now this is like kind of like the tougher, one of the tougher questions I, I usually ask on the show. And mm-hmm. it, how do you feel about the, the current music industry model? And like, in terms of like the streaming and how music is, is sold and, and commercialized and how do you feel about it? Do you think there's some changes that need to be made and, and how would you do it if you did? Well, I think that the, the current model is, you know, that's what we're going to be dealing with going forward. Like once, once people have access to digital music, whatever they want at their fingertips, there's no going back from that. And as a, as a listener, I love Spotify. I absolutely love it. Me too. <laughs> and like every album I can ever think of, not all of them, but almost any album I can ever think of, any song ever, I have my subscription, I can I can listen to that song. And as an artist, I knew this going into it, that unless you get into the huge numbers, which is not accessible for me, uh, you're not going to make a living off Spotify. Yeah. I've known that since before I got into this game. And so it, it is what it is. Your music now kind of becomes um, almost like your marketing. Like you have to get people to invest in you as a creator. You have to um, reach enough folks that make enough of a commitment to you that they're going to buy tickets to your show, that they're going to throw you a donation through uh, like Patreon or Bandcamp or, or whatever. I was just going to ask you about this actually too. It was like my next question. How do you how do you try to do this for yourself? Well, it's still so, this is still something that I'm I'm actually structuring. So I don't want to do anything until I can commit to it properly. So I don't have a Patreon yet, but I'm going to start one this year because I'm starting a series that's very much targeted at beginner players and, and people that want to learn songwriting. So part of what's going to um, be included with my Patreon is at least once a month, I'm going to do just an open Zoom hang clinic where people can bring the guitar problems and we're going to work on it right there. Oh, wow. Um, people can bring songs. We're going to work on it right there. So that's going to be kind of how I structure the Patreon business. But the people that that stream your music, there are some folks that we're never going to pay for it in the first place. And that's probably a massive percentage of your streams. Mm-hmm. So those fractions of a penny that you got from that is more than you would have got otherwise. Right. Um, from it really is all about trying to, uh, to create that next level of fan. So yes, Billie Eilish makes a shitload of money through Spotify because her music gets streamed a ton. But if, if all of that streaming money went away, probably can still make a living off the merch sales. I was just going to say yeah, merch, 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 merch. Right? I, I tell I tell this to everybody I have on. I'm like, have the merch. Have you got to have merch? So I know that it doesn't this doesn't appeal to some people at all. But the way I look at it is I'm building a brand 
my music's at the center of it, but there's just more to it than than just the songs. Um, and the great song, the, the songs have to be great. Um, honestly, there's never been more good music. Like you'll hear people say the music hasn't been good since the 70s or whatever. Oh, God. Complete and utter nonsense. There's never been more amazing quality music being made because we've removed the gatekeepers that were record label executives and folks with fancy recording studios. Right. Like you can make a Grammy winning album in your bedroom if you have the vision and and you can learn the skills through YouTube uh, tutorials. And the nice thing is a lot of uh, artists are kind of going off and making their own studios and, and labels yep. where, where they're more saying like, Hey, let's give them more of the power to the artists themselves. Yeah. I, you know, I know like, like personally, like, like from like uh, Mike, uh, Mike Patton, uh, you know, went and made Ipecac, you know, a while, mm-hmm. long while back. And, you know, they have some really cool stuff on there. You know, Mike, Mike was obviously Faith No More, you know, and, mm-hmm. and uh, Mr. Bungle everywhere, you know, all the other bands, hundred bands he's been mm-hmm. in, but uh, you know, he made Ipecac, you know, for some really outside the box bands that, you know, want to play, you know, and on, mm-hmm. on that label and, you know, they're independent. So uh, I, I think that's a good step in the right direction too, where artists are kind of taking it, their power into it and saying, Hey, well, you know what? We don't need you label executives. Like we could just do, we could just make our own labels. <laughs> no. And there are, there are indie labels that are doing that sort of thing. And what I think you're going to see more and more of are um, companies offering what would traditionally done by be done by managers or labels for a percentage of everything you own and taking ownership, maybe even to the point of taking ownership of your art to they will do these things on a professional services basis. Here's the deliverable. Here's how much it costs you for me to do this for you. And I'll do it for you. Yeah. And you're going to see more of that because building the brand isn't necessarily something that every artist has the desire to do, but you're going to be able to engage help. Some of this stuff costs money. Like if you're going to build your career as an artist, Like you, you do have to have have the ability to spend some some money. Yeah. And, but there yeah. there are often grants available to help you out. There are there's a bunch of different ways you can get stuff done without getting signed by an A and R guy at uh, at RCA. Yeah. It, yeah. And uh, also, just please, for the love of God, own your masters. Please, for the love of God, do not yep. let anybody own your effing master tapes because no like everlast can do whatever he wants for the rest of his life because he owns the master to jump around on the other hand de la soul doesn't even have their music on spotify because they don't own their own masters yeah (laughs) this whatever you think of taylor swift doesn't doesn't matter i smile every time she puts out one of those taylor's version albums because she's just taking lighter fluid and burning another hundred million dollars of of a of somebody's money that was a you know just a label executive right i like maybe that's the wrong opinion to have i don't know but i i just it's i like it i mean it it goes as far back as you know paul mccartney basically 100 this tale is all this time telling uh you know uh you know specter you know your fucking version of long and winding road is shit and it's not what i wanted (laughs) Mm -hmm. listen the, the the whole the whole music radio industry was uh, well I don't know if this is true of pop radio and whatnot but I mean a lot of this started with country radio and country the early country radio stations including the one that housed the the WSM that that houses the Grand Ole Opry were were started by businessmen insurance salesmen that sort of thing it's been a commercial grift since the since the very beginning 
Yeah. They've just enabled enough artists to get rich as a kind of carrot to dangle in front of a bunch of other artists that we, we do create a lot of content for free that people can take advantage of if we don't continue to own it ourselves. Oh yeah. Uh, I think that's like the number one thing. Yeah. I will never, I won't, would never sell my masters unless it was, something like some sort of a deal that would set my family up for yeah. life. <laughs> right. They're not worth, they're worth nothing right now. So <laughs> <laughs> they have great uh, sentimental value to me though. Right. Right. <laughs> so before we, before we end this, I want to just ask you what, any other advice that you have for indie artists starting out and trying to do their thing? I know you have a ton of experience and you've already given out, I mean, so much of your knowledge already, but I, if there's anything that you, you missed or a point that you want to make before we, we go shoot, like go right ahead. Well, I mean, if you, if you're looking to play and perform live, then getting out into your local scene and supporting the other bands that are already there. Oh, just I just have, have your face, like show your face, be there, support them and don't ask for anything in return. Just be there and do that for a while and get, get to know people yep i just like, talked i had talked about this with forge the sun on the last show they literally said the same exact thing it's like mm-hmm. don't, don't be that jerk that like does your set and this goes all right i'm out of here see you later guys bye yeah no 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 don't don't be doing that um but the same but if you take that philosophy philosophy and apply it to the online community don't I'm going to sound like a pious asshole here, and that's not my intent, but it's it's just reality. If you have five followers and you reach out to somebody with like 50 or 100,000 followers and, and my first interaction with you is, hey, man, listen to my music, mm-hmm. there's a 0% chance I'm going to listen to it, okay? But if you're somebody that I've seen no, like not asking for anything, just like yeah. leaving comments on my stuff or being supportive or cool to other people in the comments. I do see all that stuff. And then if you're an engaged member of this community and you're like, man, I have this tune out, would you check it out? There's a hundred percent chance I'm going to listen to that tune. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I, I've dealt with that a little bit too myself. Uh, I've actually had, a, I don't know to name names here, but uh, I've had, I've had a, like a, a person like basically like reach out to me multiple times about being on the show like multiple mm-hmm. times and i'm like listen i got like a schedule here you know i got a kind of a structure i'm trying to yep you i haven't really gotten a chance to dive into your stuff why do i want to interview you when i don't even know like what you do yeah I you can't even, yeah I, I can't i can't do it i'm sorry like you know and it's no just, you you've it's you've got to put a bunch of value in I, I don't know what the equation is but you got to add some value to a community before you ask to take back from that community and that's i mean that's that's the bottom line so unless you're out there supporting folks um that are that are maybe ahead of you right now you're not going to get support like if you just show up hey listen to my music it's great well yeah no. I, I get on it might be great it might be great i could be missing out on yeah. on the next big thing but yeah. that's, I get, that's just I, not the way to go about it i, I get a bit uncomfortable when i'm sent a, a press kit in an email that is about a mile long about how mm-hmm. many radio shows you've been on and yep um and i'm like i don't know about that uh i feel weird about that i just uh, i don't i don't know something doesn't really click there for me and i'm like why why do i i mean no offense but it's just like why do i really why do you want me to care about that? 
Like once you realize that you can spend a couple of thousand dollars and get a, a connected publicist that can put you on a bunch of things, like a lot of numbers and, and metrics and, and stuff can be bought. And so really, what's your story? Like, why should I give a shit about you? No, and, and like, I don't care if you've been on like what your resume says. A lot of these things are, again, things that can be purchased. Yeah. So what's your story? What what makes why do you make the music you make? And that that's, I think, how you have to kind of help yourself stand out, because to, to what we were saying earlier, there's a ton of good music being made right now more than ever. But there's also because that barrier has been removed. There's also a ton of crap that's that's out there. So how how do you stand out? And this is still something that I'm figuring out, you know, but I, I found a way that helps me just get a little bit ahead, but it, it involves me being willing to provide more value to the, the people that I want to support me than value I'm taking back, you know, and, and now like from a promotional perspective, that's asking people, if you like what I'm doing for, uh, for the music community, it would mean a lot if you listen to some of my music, you know, yeah, it's good homework for you to do. Cause you could be taking advice from a guy that makes the terrible music you might not want to do that but uh you, you have to be willing to give more than you take at first and then eventually you can settle into this uh this sort of balance with the universe where you're getting at least as much out of it as you take or sorry you're getting at least as much back out of it as you're putting into it and then eventually you you know you start to foster these relationships in the community whether it's uh especially with other artists and, and creators and, and folks that are otherwise connected to the industry where you both get more out of it than you put in into that relationship. And you need to look to foster those relationships. But as a young indie artist, um, you have to be communicative, like answer your damn emails. Don't miss opportunities. Learn how to write a professional email. Oh. Um, per, learn how to communicate professionally. And when you have opportunities, show up on time show up early, be sober, have oh. gear that works and be cool to be around and, and be willing to, um, even if you're an introverted person, just don't, don't be a diva. Like yeah. when, when you're playing an open mic and you're yelling at the monitor tech, oh. you're done. Like you're done in that community. So, you know, I'm guessing you've it, seen this happen. Hundred <laughs> percent. Every oh. every single thing that oh. I like. Oh, Lord. Oh God. So you know, you're in an. It's happened, right? Where the per person is playing an open mic, and just being a having a complete meltdown at the monitor tech because they they're not getting enough of their vocal. Oh, it's like Lord. The, on you know, and they're they're not going to be welcome back. So you got to check yourself. Be cool. Yeah. But, you know, res respect yourself, though. Don't be a doormat. Yeah. As someone I saw someone say the other day, too. And this is I think this is actually a really good point. It's like when you're done, don't like hang around and just like talk to some of your friends and stuff. Go and take your gear off the stage and go. If you're like if you're an opening, if you're opening for somebody like get your stuff and go like, oh, listen, if you're if you're an opening act, show up when you're told. And you're set, like, show up when you're told, be as easy to get along with as possible. Yeah. Don't get in the other band's way. Don't go mm -hmm. go in their green room. Don't eat their food. Oh. Don't take their beer. 
Um, oh no, that's awful. Is, is that happened to you? Like, have you seen? That? I don't. Yes. Oh my, that's unbelievable. Yes. <laughs> like, God. and and then chat with people on the front of the stage instead of getting your gear out of the way. Like, yeah. get. But you're right. Like, get out of the way, and then go back and mingle at the back of the room or something. If you've made any new fans, meet them at the merch table or something. But yeah. get out of the way. And also, don't be the person that goes, does your thing, especially in small venues, and then sits there and and is leading a conversation at a table of people that aren't listening to the people on the stage. Oh. Like, go and be engaged. Listen. Because if, if you're not willing to do that, don't go to the open mic. Like, you you need to yeah. re-examine your priorities. Yeah, and don't, don't expect people to listen to you next time. No. <laughs> but it's, it's like the basic do unto others that people seem to forget like do you want them sitting there talking about you know their aunt karen's barbecue on the weekend while you're trying to play this emotional song no you don't that's but you need to you need to set that example as as an indie artist you have to set a good example you got to kind of train the fans of independent art because there's like this weird crossover of people that go to a bar where they're going to have live entertainment which is somebody banging out covers in the corner versus somebody playing original art and you, at first you still get quite a heavy crossover between the oh there's live music it's 10 bucks let's go and they sit there and they order their beers and they talk and oh. it's, an, or it's an open mic right and i i feel so bad and i i, I witness this all the time because i'm a, yeah, I, i'm a big brewery goer mm-hmm. um and i always feel for musicians that try to play those types of venues because i'm like how do you even get engagement from people they're all everybody's just sitting there it's like your background noise to them. so one of one of the uns, unsexiest pieces pieces of advice i can give a, an independent performing artist starting up sometimes actually a hundred percent of the time i will take a gig playing to 10 people that are listening versus a thousand people that aren't okay uh, yeah so do not sleep on small shows, house concerts, that sort of thing. Because I've literally on tour, back to back, played to a room of 400 people and made zero, like, zero engagement with people afterwards. And then the next night I played to a dozen and I sold six albums. I sold like five pieces of merch. I'm, and, and all of those people are still connected to me. Like they're still, we still converse you know, on content or whatever, they're still around. Yeah. So that's that, why, yeah. you can make a career doing that. I think it's just, yeah, it's I just think viral. it's, yeah, I think it's just so hard to, to do those, like the restaurants and the breweries, man. Cause it's like, you're basically like at that point, you're basically just their background noise. It's a like, great way to build your chops. It's, yeah. it's a great way to get a bunch of reps. Cause I've done those shows. So if the only way to get the experience of playing a hundred shows is to play a hundred shows, right? And the yeah. only way for most of us to play a hundred shows is to play those types of gigs. And yeah. it also, to a certain extent will make you irrelevant in your hometown, which has happened to me a little bit hmm. where it's really hard for me to sell tickets in my hometown because I played bars and cafes and stuff for years, getting my reps in. And it's, you know, Oh, we saw him play at the, at the rib joint four years ago. Why are we going to pay 20 bucks to go see him in the theater? Now it's, it's a real different show, but it takes a bit of time to overcome that, but don't worry about it because your hometown isn't necessarily going to make or break you. You can, you know, get good and then take it on the road and don't be, 
don't be afraid to play to four people at a time. And as long as they're listening, that's, that's more valuable than 400 that aren't. Yeah. I see like all the time I see these basement shows that these kids do. And it's like, they everybody looks so engaged there. They're like, killing killing mm-hmm. it man it's like they're dancing up and down everybody's everybody's doing. and then yeah like you said you go to like a brewery and everybody's just like there's yeah there's probably a lot more people there but they're all doing this and yeah exactly. you know and it's it's just uh yeah but it's like you said though it's a it's a double-edged sword you got to play them because yep. you got to get their experience and but yeah at the same time the engagement kind of sucks and it's 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 a tough it's a tough thing to balance you just got to f- find the balance and you know play any kind of show like you said it's 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 all good practice it's a really good at point f- that you made at first you know getting getting your reps in um it's it's not easy if you're if you want to go out and just make original art that's cool too but you know find your open mics and and be cool and network that way and eventually you know you're going to be able to find maybe an opening slot for yourself playing 20 minutes or half an hour for for a larger artist like that's that's another path it takes time but it really does require you to be professional and easy to get along with easy to work with um because there's a bunch of other people that are willing to step into that slot so you know if uh, somebody's organizing that event they'll call you once and if you're a pain in the ass then you're not getting another call <laughs> yeah uh, don't be a jerk that that's really like the just the theme of this podcast is don't yeah. be a jerk like, that's it gets it it actually i know that it doesn't seem like it uh pays but it, it does pay in the long run oh yeah just yeah. just be just be nice just be good to people and then it, at some point people will respect your on your honesty and gen- generosity and just you know it, it, you'll you'll just be yourself too i that's my thing too like you said before just be yourself don't be a character be yourself yeah like you know i i'm at least a ver i'm a version of myself be your best self publicly yeah, yeah. um but you know i had a previous career that uh for a long time where that was that was the turning point at the end for me is that i couldn't be myself i couldn't operate based on my own principles and ethics and exceed at that role and that's when I knew that I was no longer meant for that that line of work. And so now it sometimes it's it's maybe to my financial detriment, but I'm not going to do things that uh, that I'm not cool with. Compromise your ethics. Yeah. No. You know, and and that's that's such a difficult thing, you know. This is a difficult thing that we we deal with and uh, you know a lot of us in our day jobs, you know. It's it's uh I you know, personally me, I like you know, I work, you know, uh you know, grocery retail, you know, and, mm-hmm. uh, boy, man, it, it's hard. Cause some days you, you, you feel like, like, man, I feel like I'm a doormat <laughs> and, yep. uh, you know, yep. it, and you know, there's some good days, but yeah, man, there's those, those, those days where you're like, man, my, like, I'm compromising my like own sanity, my own, like, you know, uh, moral fiber, you know, doing this and, and yeah. And at the, at the end of the day, you still got to eat though. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, it is, I don't even know how to advise people to strike the balance, but don't start out by being, you know, some complete phony that you can't live with. Don't in this business, like don't do anything, especially in this, on the social media side of the art and content creation. Don't do anything. It's, it, it's like entertaining a two-year-old. Don't do anything that you're not willing to do 150 more times in a row. Oh Yeah. Uh, because no, I, the, you, you're going to be asked again, again. 
So be, you know, be be true to yourself. Yeah, I I, I know. I'm gonna again. I'm gonna sound like old man yells at cloud here. I'm gonna sound like I know it. But my God, I'm just over the TikTok. These little trends that just pop up for like a week and then they're mm -hmm. away. And that everybody does them. Everybody jumps on the bandwagon. Oh, got to get that engagement. Let's do my version yep. of the video. And this, it's just so old. It's like, and if for me, I'm like a comedian at heart, right? Like I mm -hmm. love comedy. I love making people laugh. I love laughing at actually funny things. Mm -hmm. A lot of these things to me are just, it's just carbon copy, like trend, trendy, not funny bullshit. And, and, and I hate that people grab for it. And I hate people grab for it just to have that like feeling of, oh, maybe I'll blow up. And man, it just, oh, it just eats me alive. I hate it. It, it disgusts me, honestly. I, and I, maybe I'm, maybe I'm a little too harsh about this. You know, maybe I, maybe I'm not understanding enough. And well, I, it I is, it is, it is what it is. I mean, it, if you think about it, there's a lot of people that, um, that, that struggle to get sort of positive reinforcement and positive attention. And, TikTok has created a platform where somebody it, it, it's they've removed the barrier in some cases to, to finding that 15 minutes of fame. Yeah. You know, where yeah. if you do, if you do that trend in a particularly funny way, you might blow up. But if a video going viral is isn't going to actually help you no. in the long run, if, if you don't have something to back it up and even if you do have something to back it up, the amount of momentum that you will retain after something goes like viral, you know, hundreds yeah. of thousands or millions of views, you got to have something behind that. Otherwise, like, cool. That was your 15 minutes. Yeah. Um, one of my buddies on, on TikTok actually said, and it's like, um, he said it about Spotify, but it, this applies to pretty much any like platform that you're on. Spotify didn't make you, you made yourself. Mm -hmm. Like they don't make you TikTok doesn't make you, you know, no. you, what you do makes you. And at the end of the day, it's, they aren't doing it for you. They're you're, you're doing it. It's your success is not rooted in them. Yeah. Is it a platform no. for you? No. Yes, of course. But it doesn't mean that they're you're tied They're You know, they're completely tied to your success and what you do. And I think people no, need I mean, to re realize that it's 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 one way to reach a lot of people um you know that your music is out there and it's it's basically ubiquitous at this point but you know there's a lot of music out there 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 are at the end of the day there's a whole pile of people competing for the public's attention that's ultimately what it is and, and that's what TikTok is too we are all competing for people's attention and trying to find you know, the folks are going to be most interested in what we do and, and, and all of that kind of thing. But as an artist, as a creator, you need, you need people to be aware of who you are and doing it in a, in an inauthentic way. It's just not going to benefit you in the long run. So, it, you know, if you want to blow up a song on Spotify, maybe that works, but you know, if you actually want to have a sustainable career as an artist, there's a whole lot more to it. And just, I'm going to, I'm going to sing this song until, john mayer duets me or i'm gonna sing this song until it blows up it's not gonna it's not gonna blow up and he's not gonna duet you oh Stop my it. god the john mayer thing man oh and i like john mayer i actually Same. like i like john mayer but good lord i don't know what the 
the obsession is with him on TikTok. It's like it's like well, constantly it's, people just playing John Mayer riffs. Like play something else. It's not a it's not a live stream unless somebody asks me if I can play Neon and then ask me to sing Tennessee Whiskey. <laughs> can't even call it a didn't have if that if those two things don't occur then that live stream didn't happen. Oh, oh my God! Yeah, no, it's just man. It's just sometimes it's just like the copycats. They all want the same thing, you know. It's like no, I want to do something different. <laughs> Well, but but the thing is, I don't worry too much about that because the folks that uh, that are going to leave my stream if I don't honor their request to play Simple Man, <laughs> they were they were never going to be my fan in the first place. Right? Like, they, just, they they just want to hear you know just let it go. Like they they're not they're not your target audience. That's that's the thing with TikTok is that it's going to put it in front of potentially a wide audience. You need to figure out how you engage with that in order to appeal to your target audience the, the real ones yeah <laughs> because you can get a lot of engagement by like doing the the hate farm chain where you say something controversial that you know is going to get somebody to say uh, something pissy there's another then you one. do a video response and i've done it like once or twice i know and it works but some people then morph their entire online existence into this respond to a hate comment the people that agree with them are going to cheer. They're going to get more hate comments. Yeah. And then they keep responding. And some of them have the, the, the demeanor to be able to handle that and be comedians and stuff about it. And that's part of what they're going for. But if you set out to be an artist on, on a social media platform, and that's the path you take, you're going to wreck your mental health and you're not actually going to really help yourself move forward as an artist. You're going to gain a couple of fans, but you know, you, you, you really have to, stay true to your vision of, of what you want to be yep big 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 uh big point made there engagement does not always equal fan support <laughs> no not i don't care not all publicity is good pu publicity not when you're trying to um figure out how to navigate this industry as an independent yep no it's, it's and it's not about, all engagement is good engagement yeah to it's, the same, it's, to the it's same about, like you said it's about finding the real ones you know the real people that will support you and, and, and foster those relationships and nurture them right get you know meet kindness with kindness don't uh, yep. don't keep trying to fight hate with hate yeah. yeah and hey collaborate too you know exactly collaborate if they're like if they're also fellow musicians you know re put reach out put a put a olive branch out there you know Absolutely. But, you know, be, as we talked about. Or respectful before, about it. A respect. Yeah. Be, be respectful and be seen supporting them. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I, I will, I'll invest some of my time in supporting a bunch of different artists that I, that aren't going to collaborate with me in return. And that's okay. Cause I'm going to have some, a few cool collaborations. It, you know, it's, it's all about just um, like one, one of the things that, that I've started to practice is that, I've reached at least a level of notoriety on TikTok where just following somebody now, some of them are like, thank you so much for following me. And I'm like, I'm just a dude that had to ha happen to have a couple of hits teaching people the G major scale. Like I'm not so different, but uh, at, at the same time I get hate. And so every time I block somebody now and I just, I used to be like, I'll, I don't care. You didn't affect me. So I'm just going to leave the comment that I don't care. But you realize that other people are, you know, beginners and stuff yeah. that are reading through the comments. So every time I have to block somebody, I make it a point that, you know, at the end of that day or, or at the end of that session, whatever, I never walk away on that note. I will go find a friend of mine that's doing something that's cool, 
uh, or somebody that I've never met that's creating something that's cool. And I'll just go give them some positive vibes. Like I really dig what you did with this. This was awesome. Keep it up, man. Love that tune. And then I log off and that's, that's how I'm going to finish my, my internet session for the day, as opposed to, you know, blocking that guy who, you know, was saying something along the lines of beginners that can't do X or X or, you know, the, the other one is I'm not going to listen to anything a woman has to say about teaching me guitar. I'm like, there are women out there that, man, you are a fool. So there's, there's misogyny and gatekeeping and many other isms and whatnot happen and ings happening in the music community. And so, you know, whenever I see it or whenever it comes across my, my little corner of the internet, I kick it the fuck out and then I turn around and try and, and pay some kindness forward just to sort of tip the balance in the universe, hopefully a little bit in my favor. Colin, you're a gem in the in the music community, man. Uh, we need. Well, I appreciate we, that. We, we we truly meet, need more uh, guys like you um, around, and not just in the music community, in in the world in general. Like I really mean it. You are just a genuine, genuine guy that just wants to help people, and I just I respect it and I appreciate it. Um, and I, I, I appreciate just, you. We need more people like that in art and and everywhere and in general. Um, here's here's the thing. So many, so many um, interactions we have are shaped by algorithms these days. And the point of algorithms is to keep you engaged. And the best way to keep you engaged is to piss you off. <laughs> so be mindful of the fact that there are people actively trying to, to, you know, target your, your anger for views and clicks and money. And, you know, just, being mindful about that can really help kind of shape your perspective and it lets you defeat that to a certain extent. So if something makes me mad, which is all, it happens every day on the internet. So lots of people get nice compliments. So <laughs> because I'm just like, man, that sucked. I'm, I need to go find some, some people to be nice, you know, say some cool things to yeah. it. But that, that recharges me too. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's not be me being selfless and and whatnot like that legitimately helps recharge my batteries after after wading through you know the the weeds of people being shitty yeah. so you know just try and try and support other people and tell a friend if you find if you find some something that's cool and you know some other folks that would like it tell them that's 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 how this thing improves Colin you're 100 percent spot on um i i appreciate everything you've said on the show and the advice that you've given out to anybody listening um I, and i appreciate you taking the time out of your day to be on my here. pleasure man and, and my pleasure. uh I, it, this was definitely one of them the coolest uh podcasts i've done in a long time um the well, last, thank you for last, having me the last the last five i've done have really have been <laughs> or so <laughs> awesome. but, so they're all just like they're just like raising the bar every time but uh no man i really appreciate your expertise and your your 30 plus years of experience doing this uh on the show i, I think uh you know i've had a lot of younger artists on so far and i think it was just with a really different perspective and a different take on things uh from a really cool neat perspective uh, on the music industry and as yeah well. and i lurked i lurked for lurked for a long time and had years of experience before i made my big push yeah. so it's helped but you know there are there are things that you only gain through experience but I'm willing to to help in any way I can, you know, 
maybe prevent if i prevent one person from making a career-ending mistake then it's it's worth the time you know guys help my boy colin out here i appreciate you stream stream his album east of nowhere it's fantastic it's one of my favorite albums the last couple of years or so um it's it's Thank just a, a fantastic listen there's a little bit of everything for everybody on it i think for alternative fans for country fans for you know any anybody that rock, just rock general rock music fans general just uh singer songwriter enthusiasts everything there for you it, it's all there so it, it, definitely give it a stream find him on spotify colin folly uh whatever you know wherever you want to stream your music it's there so um colin again thank you so much for taking the time i appreciate it man my pleasure Anytime, um man. thank you all for listening uh tune in uh for the next episode coming down the pipe uh we got some really interesting guests lined up soon so uh can't wait to have them on all right thank you